podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the World Cup pod here on Anfield Index. The first round of games from groups A to D have been played now and so we thought it would be the perfect time to sort of recap on uh, you know, the start of this tournament, think about all the big moments we've seen so far, uh, some of the surprises, maybe some of the the big players coming to the party, some of the big players not coming to the party. Um, but to help me do that tonight, I'm welcomed by uh, uh, Anfield Index writer Sam Evans. Sam, how you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Harry, how are you doing, mate? Not bad. I'm I'm really enjoying this. I'm just gorging on football right now. Absolutely yeah. gorging on football. Yesterday was with um four yeah you know, four games in a day. It was it, 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 it was the Netflix binge equivalent, wasn't it? Of of football. Yeah. Even games you were barely interested in. So like, oh, maybe I can just get another drink and uh, <laughs> and watch this game. I think the only one that I was slightly disappointed in in the end was uh was the Nigeria game, but um. What I wanted to do really was to talk about sort of yeah, sort of the, the big key moments from from groups uh, um, A to D. The first round, the first round of fixtures has been played now. Um, before we go into the actual games themselves, Sam, I mean, what have you made of sort of the style of the tournament as a whole? No goalless draws yet. You know, plenty of late drama, thankfully, uh, and some some pretty unique looking stadiums. Yeah, well, as I was saying to you before, I I was really thinking. I- have very little interest in this World Cup because I was still really bitter about the fact that Wales didn't qualify. But I've been pleasantly surprised. I've been glued to pretty much every game. Um, it's it's been a really entertaining World Cup so far. And as you said, you end up watching games which you would never dream of watching at any other time of the year. You know, there's absolutely no chance I'd be watching Morocco versus Iran or something. But because it's the World Cup. It all of a sudden becomes a lot more interesting. So, yeah, it's been it's been a cracking start. To be fair, there's been plenty of goals, as you said, no uh, nil nil draws whatsoever. A uh, couple of late winners, some high scoring games. Um, you know, the the the, the host scoring five. It, it's been really good tournament so far. So, you know, looking forward to having a chat about it. Yeah, for sure. I think I mean, there's so much to talk about as well. What we've seen so far. I mean, there's. The narratives coming into the tournament, the big players that we've been looking forward to seeing and seeing how they they perform on this big stage, and you think about the other the other moments as well. And you mentioned there some of the some of the late drama that's led to some interesting results for the likes of Iran and, and Uruguay as well. So, um, I mean, j- just to start with that that Russia game, of course, Russia Saudi Arabia. I think everyone sort of realised in Group A, Saudi Arabia, when we were doing the predictions as well. You know, the weakest team in that group. Um, I sort of put a cheeky bet um, or cheeky bet in that. Um, Suarez might finish top goal scorer you know, in this uh, in this World Cup based on how he performed in the, in the opener against Egypt. I might have to I might have to rethink that. But um, I thought you know Saudi Arabia you know, could be the whipping boys of the group here, um, and Russia as well. And I read so much about Russia prior to this um, tournament as you know, you know old old team you know lacking talent or whatever you know might not get out of the group etc. Um, and you know, after that early uh, substitution we're, we're sharing, you know, Chirishev comes on, you know, bangs in two goals. They are absolutely flying. Do, what did you make of Russia in that game? I mean, it's, it's hard, hard to judge, isn't it, a little bit, given given the quality of the, of the opposition they were up against. 
Yeah, that's that's always a difficult thing. I think because we don't generally watch these teams on a regular basis, uh, it is difficult to gauge just what, what the standard is that we're watching. Um, you know, we, we find out further on in the tournament, obviously, when they might have a bigger challenge. But, you know, they, they have got the the home advantage and historically the the teams who are hosting do tend to start off pretty decent so um you know i was expecting a russia win i was not expecting a five niller um as you said that those goals from sherishev were absolutely brilliant to be fair that that first goal it was kind of almost shades of mo salah in the, the champions league when he just had loads of composure to, to kind of dink it over the keeper and head it past and then yes. put it into the empty yeah. net it was just a lovely bit of skill there before he did finally blast it into the top corner. And then the other goal he scored was, I think it was outside the left peg it was, wasn't it? And it's absolutely beautiful strike into the top corner. And it's just, the, the, the good thing about the World Cup, it tends to just bring up these stories that that just, it's kind of like a drama sometimes. You know, Sherichev wasn't in the starting lineup. He, he comes on and ends up scoring two goals and, you know, getting a man of the match performance. So, um, yeah, really, really good start to the tournament. Uh, as you said, Saudi Arabia, not the best to be fair, but, you know, you've, you've still got to beat the teams in front of you. You know, as we've seen with the other games so far, underdogs have been coming away with results in this tournament. So, um, fair play to Russia getting the job done and, uh, interesting to see how they get on in the next game now. Yeah, for sure. I think there are some, it, it's always about those stories around the World Cup. I should think. Of course, there's the big players that we're looking forward to seeing, and, and the teams we usually associate with the you know, with, with the best football that we're going to see at the tournament. But you mentioned these sort of smaller nations who qualified. Iceland, for example, for the first time, you're qualifying, and then what 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 they've been able to achieve, and perhaps we'll get onto their game in a little bit. But um, yeah, it's really these little stories around the tournament, even sort of players' journeys to getting to the to the national teams. You you really do discover some great stuff. So um, moving on from that, I mean. Egypt, Uruguay. So, I think yeah, we, we've all sort of understood we're going to be following Egypt throughout this tournament based on the fact you know Salah, um, you know, hoping that he'd be fit for the tournament. Um, you know, he's announced in the squad. You know, the coach is giving it large about he he will be there for Uruguay, etc. Yeah, the, the start of that match comes and he's on the bench. Uh, seems pretty clear that they're, they're trying not to risk him. Um, and for the vast majority of that game, um, against a misfiring Uruguay side, you know, it looked really lethargic that Uruguay side. Um, Egypt are on their way to the result that they that they w- w- would have wanted. You know, they, they, their best player on the bench can't you know quite legislate. You're pushing too far forward, didn't have too many chances, but a nil nil. They'll take that one point. You know, to get things started with maybe bigger games to come l- later in the group. But um, yeah, late drama in that. As we mentioned, no nil nil draws yet, um, and, and some late set pieces have helped us out there. But um, that Jimenez goal from, from the lad from Atletico Madrid, you know, powering in with that late header, um, you know, pictures of you know, a sad Mo Salah on the touchline, <laughs> which is, which is, but uncomfortably been how we've seen him over the past sort of the last moments of the season. What did you make of that game? I mean, Egypt, you know, organised effort there, very close to to getting a result, um, and Uruguay you know, seemed really off colour, didn't they? Yeah, they they were strange. Um, I don't know. You do get this in the first game sometimes. There are a few of the teams that that they're a bit uh, they, they, they haven't got the rhythm going yet, you know. And I think Suarez was a prime example of that. I think he he could have had a hat trick in, in that game if he was on fire. But uh, you know that that first chance he 
had where he kind of scooped it wide from about five yards. I don't know how how he managed to do that, but I know there was a defender closing him down quickly, but you know that was really poor from him. Um, generally speaking, there wasn't a lot of quality in this match, but I, I think Egypt seemed to go into the game happy to try and get a draw and just leave there with a point. And then hopefully get Salah back in for the next game, and then you know try and get get a win against Russia in the next match. But you know what we ended up seeing was a very late winner then, and that must have felt like a real kick in the balls for for, for Egypt to be fair. But I, I just thought they they made quite a poor decision to big up the chances of Salah to play if he wasn't going to end up playing because he's clearly not ready to play. You know, that injury he had, I thought it was going to be a bit of a big ask to get him ready for this game. And, you know, it's even a big ask for him to be ready for the next game. But, you know, it looks like he's going to be starting now after they've lost the game. But I, I just thought, you know, if, if they raise expectations in the way that they did by saying that he's going to end up being available to start for, for Egypt and then when he's on the bench and doesn't even come on, it's, you know, it's a bit of a boost for Uruguay, I thought. You know, they must have been thinking, happy days. You know, the star man's not playing. Whereas before the game, they'd have been thinking he, he, he was going to be there. So I just thought it might have given a bit of a psychological advantage to Uruguay unnecessarily. Um, you know, you're better off erring on the side of caution and saying, you know, he's unlikely to make it and then maybe get him on. But, uh, you know, we had a little chat before the pod earlier and I was just saying, I think he might have come on if Uruguay had scored a little earlier. You know, I think he was there. They were thinking, get a nil-nil draw, get out of it with a point, and then you know try and get get the wins in the other two games. But uh, and then if they do concede, then emergency break glass gets Sal on the pitch. But because they conceded such a late goal, they thought ah it's pointless now. You know it's game over, so he didn't get to have a chance to come on. But uh, yeah, it made it, it was so heartbreaking seeing Salah's little face at the end. I thought he was going to cry. He was just so disappointed, and it it must be so gutting for the guy. He's had such a great season, and then it's just the, the Champions League final heartbreak, and now it's then rolled on into effect in his World Cup as well. So I just really, really hope he can start in the next game and you know bang in a few goals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you think about some of the footballers who who haven't made this World Cup, into, into some of the more talented ones that haven't made their squad. Sane obviously was the one that's been so heavily talked about with Germany, but you know, just watching on, you know, knowing that you could have perhaps gone into that squad must be frustrating enough. Watching off on the sidelines when you're injured and you want to be able to help uh, your team um, is going to be even harder, especially when you're not in the tournament. But when you're there and you think, like, I'm not 100% fit, but, but you know, should I risk myself? Um, I'm sure that the Egyptian sort of you know, physio team were well aware of Salah's level of fitness. I mean, just, just the fact that was it. When he arrived here and he was doing, posing for those photos with fans and the fan tried to wrap his arm around his shoulder and he flinched a little bit. Was yeah. Like, ah, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good if it's, if it's that, that sense. That was an indication. Yeah. <laughs> it really was an indication that he wasn't fit yet, wasn't it? The way he flinched. The guy barely touched him. <laughs> exactly. And then personally, I was looking at this, uh, looking at that game going, Jimenez and Godin. Um, I'd, I'd quite like you not to, not to yeah. go up against those guys because those are two Uruguayan bruisers who are, yeah, yeah, taking absolutely no prisoners. But Egypt's next match is obviously on uh, Tuesday against Russia. Um, yeah, the Hosations coming off that five-nil win, sure they're full, yeah. of, full of confidence there. But uh, 
Shirisev as well, as you mentioned, you know, a player who wasn't perhaps even going to be playing in that opening game, scores two goals, and now finds himself in the in the news with with, with quotes like Salah is a great player, but not world class. So he's, he's clearly he's clearly feeling it before the game. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully Salah can uh, can make him meet his words there for that one. Yeah. Fingers crossed, mate. Yeah, and as you mentioned, there's some, some great stories around this World Cup. I mean, I mean, the internet only amplifies it. I think this is one of the sort of the one of the tournaments where you can you know, usually sometimes the internet's a toxic place when it comes to football and uh, you know trying to follow along uh, with live matches whilst football's on um, online. But um, it's thrown up some nice things, I think, so far. And one of the things I noticed, I, I know you haven't seen it yet, but was what I mentioned earlier was this video. If, if you haven't seen it, do. Do make an effort to search it up, guys. Um, it was a, a video of these Uruguayan school children. Um, you know, they've been allowed to watch the match in their classroom. Uh, and of course, they, they see the late goal. Um, before the goals even scored, they're chanting Uruguay, Uruguay. They clearly believe that they believed in it. And of course, Jimenez scores that goal. And these kids run around into the, uh, out of the classroom door into the playground, celebrating like they just scored the goal themselves, going absolutely <laughs> crazy. Um, and then without a teacher even having to ask, they all run back into the classroom towards the end of the video, where clearly they were you know, maths or physics or, or or whatever it was at that time of the afternoon. But um, yeah, I think that was a, sort of the perfect ending for that one. Um, speaking of more late drama, I think you know, the next game, the opening game in the Group B, Morocco versus Iran. And um, Morocco came into this quite highly touted in terms of you know, not having lost games in, in, in the build-up to the tournament. Um, doing fairly well. I think actually the, the highest rated of the um, of the African teams. I, I may be wrong there, but um, um, you're yeah, playing against Iran and just the whole, the whole, everything about Iran even being at the tournament. You know, the qualification. You think about what's been going on in the country. Um, you know, not even being allowed to play in, in, in the country for certain, certain portions of the qualification at, at all. Um, you're making it to this tournament, a huge achievement in its own right. But um, to then snatch a win, the first win in 20 years at the World Cup Finals, um, Carlos Quiroz's team, just a, I guess a good advert for keeping it tight and, and, and hoping. Um, but I think that's probably the game where we were most in danger of it going to, you know, finishing nil-nil perhaps, if you looked at it on paper beforehand. Uh, did you catch much of that of that game, Sam? And uh, I mean, yeah. cruel bro for, for Morocco towards the end. To be fair, that was belter of an own goal, wasn't it? <laughs> he shouldn't really have headed it any better if he was trying to. Oh, and there's, there's images of him crying at the end and stuff as well. Uh, Boo, I can't even pronounce his name. He, he came on. <laughs> Boo, what was it? Oh, God. I think it's Buda Boos, uh, but yeah, he, 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 he came on as a sub only, only about 10 minutes earlier, I think, to try and score goals. Oh, God. Know, perhaps he was a right back, but uh, yeah, just, yeah, firm, firm header powered past. His own keeper, and um, yeah, that went from bad to worse for Morocco, really. But it, for Iran, again, I mean, there's great videos out there of um, Iranian fans watching this game. Of course, it's just a massive achievement to be here, going absolutely berserk when they score that goal. Um, I mean, it's sort of hard for us to tell. I mean, first win at World Cup finals for 20 years. It's a huge, huge achievement for them, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's it's amplifying my despair at Wales failing to get them it every every time something like this happens because you know we'll get on to Iceland later but it's, it's the same type of thing you know Wales were a big underdog in the Euros we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves there and I was just absolutely desperate to get into this because of these type of stories that do come up you know so 
it, it's, it's great to see and it's it's always brilliant to get a late winner, isn't it? There's no better feeling in football than getting a last minute winner. So it's it's fantastic to watch and it's just so good to see. The, the, the best thing about the World Cup is the whole world's eyes are watching and there's, you know, there's 32 nations out there who have got their their teams in, in the mix, you know. So it's it's really really exciting. Yeah. So it's it's been thoroughly entertaining so far. You know, even the tight have had that exciting moment at the end where they've had the last minute winner as well. So it's been you can't really have asked for much more. And it's been, it's been an excellent start so far. Yeah, for sure. I think so. I mean, you were seeing as well. I mean, obviously the 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 additional sort of narrative with the with the teams in the World Cup that have a you know high proportion of Muslim players amongst them, you know, just having come off Ramadan, um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing then changing the, their nutrition plans to try and get their energy levels back up, etc. Uh, some of those mm-hmm. players looked absolutely exhausted, and you, you factor in some of the efforts that, that they're putting in in games like this, um, and you know, it, it, these are the sort of games where you see injuries come out of nowhere because players are trying to push themselves that extra mile. But um, if the games between Egypt and Uruguay and Morocco and Iran were transformed from you know, potentially you know, pretty dull nil-nils into you know, exciting purely through the magic of those late winners. Um, I, I guess then it's fair to focus on Portugal-Spain as the game where it really felt like the World Cup kicked off truly in terms of the, the sheer quality of that game, the excitement of that game. Um, I think you know, approaching it, you, you perhaps would have expected Portugal to, pre- to approach the game differently, given how we saw them perform at the Euros um, you know, when they won it last time round. But uh, you know, they're a very, very conservative team, very physical, perhaps uh, organised, but not very enjoyable to watch, despite having Cristiano Ronaldo amongst the ranks. Um, and Spain, you know, coming into this game with so much turmoil uh, around the sacking of the manager, um, you know, would they be able to refocus? Would they be able to perform? Um, so much so that I think if we if we think about it now, um, Sam, in terms of the player that made all the headlines at the end of the game, you know, he's a player who's not shy to making headlines. Let's face it, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, but you know, I think there was so much else going on ahead of this game, especially when, where Spain were considered or where Spain were um, focused on, that you actually didn't find yourself talking about Ronaldo too much uh, you know, prior to the game. Um, but you know, at the end of it, he made sure that he was the front and centre star there. I mean, what did you make of that game, Portugal-Spain? A, a really open, exciting game that perhaps we didn't expect. Yeah, it's a fantastic game of football. As you said, I was, I was fully expecting Portugal to play really tight and then hope to nick the odd goal through Ronaldo, basically, on the break. But what we ended up witnessing was undoubtedly the, the game of the tournament so far, I think they're going to have a job to actually beat that one. It was, it was a cracker because the, the goals themselves were, were all belters as well. It wasn't just, you know, apart from the penalty, obviously, but you know, they, they weren't just tap-ins and just because there's six goals, it's exciting. There, there was some real, real high-quality goals on show in that game. That I, I was really impressed with Spain in this game, you know, with all the problems they've had off the field now with them with the manager getting two days before the tournament stage understandable in the fact that he's he's ended up announcing he's signing for Real Madrid at the end at the end of the tournament why did they have to announce it there and then I have no idea but again I don't know if you've seen the interview with him he's crying 
in the interview with the uh, the former manager, yeah, and he said I've it's the it. saddest day. Was the saddest day since his mother died or something? And he was God. crying, and he he was absolutely inconsolable. So I, I found it a bit mad that, that that they couldn't find a way to you know resolve that. It's understandable he's going to go to Real Madrid, and he's he's leaving after the tournament. So I I don't know why that was a problem, but uh, you know you, you can't have a a bigger legend to step in than Hierro, to be fair. You know, that that guy is an absolute hero uh, for, for Spain and, and Madrid, actually, as well. But uh, so, you know, he, he's a good guy to step in, put it that way. But uh, back to the game itself, you know, Spain look like the better side overall, but Portugal have just got a steeliness about them now that, that, that they, they know how they want to play. They're, they're like... They're like a good version of Wales in the fact that they're really, really, they're like really, really solid. Got some quality in the midfield and, and, and everything as well. But what I mean by the comparison to Wales is they just try and keep it really solid and set a platform for Ronaldo to, to do the biz a bit like Wales with Bale, you know. But, um, and, and fair play to Ronaldo. He, he couldn't have stepped up any better. You know, I think it was just within a day or so of it being announced that he was, Going to be fined, was it 18 million euros, something like that? It was a few hours, a few hours after it was announced that he's going to be fined 18.8 million euros, yeah, for for tax evasion. So, I mean, that's, that's one way to answer that. Especially when you're scoring goals against the the country in which is fining you for for, for that. Exactly, yeah. So I was thinking before that, when I heard that announced, uh, they said he was having a two year sentence and I thought, what? (laughs) And then, they go, of course, he's not going to serve any time. Anything under two years can be done, uh, you know, without going to prison. So I was like, all right. I always find these things a bit mad anyway, because he's not been doing his own tax returns, has he? Let's be honest. He, he's paying someone to do this. So I always find it a bit mad. Him and Messi have had the same problems. But uh, yeah, so anyway, there's no better way to kind of shove it up them uh, by scoring a hat-trick against them in the World Cup. And you just knew he was going to be up for it, you know. He, he's 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 one of those guys like Bale scores a bicycle kick in the Champions League final to basically win the game, and you you can barely get a smile out of Ronaldo. You know, it, it's it's baffling sometimes how much he is all about himself. But you've got to say that, that there's no guy in world football that works harder. You know that that guy he he's got a lot of talent, obviously. But he's someone who clearly puts in an insane amount of work off the pitch yeah. in order to get the results that he's doing. That guy has transformed his game. You know, remember when he came to Man U initially, he had all the tricks under the sun, zero end product. You know, initially he was all about showing off down the wing, making people look fools, nutmegs and things. Now he is all end product and he is the, the most end product player in world football probably because yeah. he is just a pure goal scoring machine yeah I was going to say know, to you actually about that I mean just the interesting th- aspect about I mean obviously that the endless debate between people around Ronaldo and Messi I mean I, I, I'm i of the belief that of, of course Messi's the better player but in, in terms of it being a better goal scorer I, 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 I think it is Ronaldo because I think the guy mm. as you mentioned there he's adapted his game um, he can have games now where he's very much on the periphery of the game. Doesn't really get involved with with with, with, with too much. You, you don't you don't see him. That's why I found it sort of quite odd in, in the first twenty minutes where he was part of counter attacks. He was legging it. It was, it was really he seemed to be 
the all-action Ronaldo of the you know, years ago. Then that sort of faded away, and, and then you, you noticed, oh, you know, I haven't thought about him for a little bit. And then he takes a percentage shot on the uh, edge of the box, and you know, De Gea makes that uncharacteristic mistake that he just seems to ne- never, ever, ever make against us, which is <laughs> incredibly annoying. Um, yeah. And, and then, of course, he steps up to that, that last-minute free kick as well. And even that, you, you're looking at it and thinking, you don't expect him to score because he doesn't score free kicks. I mean, it, it, it's it's a thing that's sort of built up around him, this this mystique that he's an amazing free free kick taker. But actually, his record in, in the past few years has been dreadful in terms of free kicks. Um, and he takes a free kick and changes his technique as well. He doesn't go for that one that Bale sometimes did where you, you try and loop it up and down. Goes with the side foot, really places it nicely. A huge pressure as well. Um, and I think, as you mentioned, yeah, he's turned himself into... Mr. End product. He, he might not always be involved, but when he is, um, he's, he's scoring goals. Trevor Spain, um, plenty of discussion around you know, how they were going to be you know, following the sacking the manager. You mentioned Hierro, they're coming in. You know, he's got a well respected guy to come into that sort of position. You imagine the players would be you know, looking to impress him, you know, looking to put their heads down, etc. Um, and for me, when I was looking at this group and I was looking at Spain ahead of it, I thought, yeah, so what's experienced team there? a bunch of players who this is their last World Cup. They won't. They will not be at another one. Um, is there one last hurrah in this sort of engine that we know exists? And there were moments in that game where they were really, really purring, weren't they? In terms of Isco, David Silva combining, and uh, Iniesta getting involved as well. Um, but I guess if we just if we just talk about that first goal um, for a second, Busquets with a fifty-yard ball up up top to to Diego Costa to, to battle with Pepe for. Um, and then a proper number nine finish. Um, I thought one of the interesting things about Spain in this game, Sam, I'm not sure what you thought about it, was they looked like they had more dimensions to them than the Spain side we saw last time round, where you looked at them and thought maybe it's possession without end product or incision. This Spain looked to have multiple tools in their in their kit, didn't they? Yeah, well, you know, if you look at the goals they conceded, it was it was a penalty. And the goalkeeping error is, is two, and, and a free kick from 30 yards. So, uh, it, it's, it's just one of those games where things kind of fell for Portugal, I thought. But Spain themselves look very, very impressive. And, you know, in my opinion, they're probably favourites, you know, for me, for, for the tournament. I think they look so good, mate. And Diego Costa up front as well is just highlighting what Chelsea were missing once they let him go or once he wasn't playing for them anymore. You know, he was... Th- that first goal, as you said, mate, that is textbook striker's finish. It's it just pure power, first of all, holding the guys off. And then the shot along the ground, really powerfully struck. That's like an impossible one to save for the keeper. You know, a lot of players tend to go for the top corner, but in fact, the bottom corner finishes are the hardest ones to save. So, yeah, that was an absolute belter of a goal. And then uh, the other one then, it was a, a little square ball, wasn't it, for a tap-in for, for Costa? So yeah. it was a bit of poacher's goal. A free kick, again, yeah. Busquets to, uh, yeah. to Costa for a tap-in. So, again, a very un-Spain-like set-piece goal that you you, you you wouldn't expect them to see, see them score that. And then there was, was it Nacho with that thunderbolt for <laughs> for the third one, that beautiful half-volley. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, you know, they're really interesting side Spain and with the whole drama off the pitch, sometimes you find things like that can happen and it kind of galvanizes the group. And, you know, obviously they're all going to be looking up to here 
go anyway. So there was never going to be a problem with them respecting the, the guy that's come in. So, so um, I wouldn't be surprised if these guys go on and, and you know do the business. They got so much quality throughout the squad. You know they've got the legend that is Yago Aspas coming in off the bench. Uh, hey. <laughs> they've even got Pepe Reina in the squad. Yeah, nice to see Pepe Reina in there anyway. Um, regards to Spain, you know they're a team I've always respected and always wanted to do well purely on the fact that that, that they play football in what I deem to be the correct manner. You know, very entertaining team, very slick team. Uh, and we've had a number of Spanish players play for Liverpool over the years as well. So I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Spain. But, you know, the quality they've got in that squad, mate, I think they're really, really good show for this tournament. Yeah, for sure. I think you look at the likes of what David Silva, um, Isco, who I thought was just out, just in, in, in incredible in the first sort of like 40 minutes of that game, just completely dominated and, um, and, and, and then you look at the likes of you know, them being able to, you know, having, having Iniesta there, taking Iniesta off because he's, he's got a bit tired and bringing on Tiago Alcantara as a, as a number 10. You're like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you can just do that because you have that quality. So players who are so, so adept in tight spaces. Um, but yeah, as we mentioned, having that other dimension to them this time, I, I thought last time around when Costa played for Spain, it didn't really, didn't really click, didn't really work. Um, it looks like. The manager who's no longer there anymore. I mean, obviously it's, 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 it's Hierro now rather than Lopadelli, but it, um, it's Hierro now. Um, but you can clearly see the work that was done by the previous manager in terms of making them more multi-dimensional, more of a threat um, in, in different ways. So it's, it's, it's definitely exciting to see. I, I think they looked very strong. Um, as you mentioned, the goal they conceded. Yeah, you, you can't really blame them. Not really down to your system failures, are they? So yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Definitely one to watch. I think and. Portugal, I guess it does depend on how much, uh, how many moments Ronaldo has in him. Um, Guedes, who I think is a player we're linked with from, from Portugal, um, Guedes didn't, didn't look too impressive at all, but, um, I'm all for players who were linked with having terrible tournaments. So we can yeah. lower valuations, guys, lower, lower the valuations. <laughs> so in terms of lowering evaluation, um, and then talking about another team, uh, who didn't quite deliver an, an opening game despite you know, picking off the win. Picking up the win, rather France versus Australia. Um, you know, France eventually coming out two-one winners there. Pogba um, involved Griezmann from the penalty spot as well. Um, Yedinak scored that penalty to uh, have Australia level temporarily. But the first game we saw here, Sam, where you know technology gets involved, VAR involved for the first penalty decision. Uh, I'll ask what you think about that in a second. Um, and and then of course um, goal line technology for the second goal. Uh, you know, Pogba combining it almost seemed to deflect actually off a defender as it bounced over the line. The sort of goal where you thought back to that England goal against <laughs> Germany all those years ago and went, well, that could have been could have been useful back then. But um, yeah, I guess it's the technology game. But France weren't oppressive at all. I thought um, looked very very lethargic. Um, lucky to get those three points in the end, weren't they? Really, really lucky. I thought you know they they were the exact opposite. Of Spain, to be honest, whereas Spain were looking like a really slick, well-drilled team who looked like they were used to playing with each other and were playing as a team, France looked very much like just a team of individuals. It was really, really disjointed. There was no, you know, considering the talent they've got on show, France have got an incredible amount of talent in their squad and I'll tell, and 
incredible amount of talent that haven't even travelled. And to see them play like that was disgusting, to be honest. I, I'm not quite sure what Deschamps is doing. I don't know whether it's just, you know, they, they'll get there eventually as the tournament wears on and start playing a bit better. But they, they were poor on the day. Um, re- regards to the penalty, uh, the, the Griezmann penalty, the, all of the pundits on telly, they all said, yeah, definite penalty, good, glad they gave it and everything. I, I felt like I was watching a different game myself. I personally, I don't think it was a penalty. The, the defender got the ball. His, uh, he, he did get the ball. I know it's only a light touch, but it was enough to knock the ball into Griezmann, Griezmann's foot, which then knocked it away to the goalie, so he was never getting there. And then it was just his follow through that catches Griezmann's trailing leg, you know, which didn't stop him getting to the ball or anything. So, in my opinion, I don't think it was a penalty. And, you know, we're, we're going to get this, right? I'm, I'm a big advocate of VAR. You know, a lot of people, traditionalists and everything, it's, it's going to take a lot of convincing for people. They don't like new things. You know, people don't want anything to be changed. Phil Neville's it's, very unhappy about it. Or I, I should yeah. tell you in advance, it's, it's not... He's not having it at all. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a bit of a dinosaur in that sense, mate. And there's there's a lot of people out there like this, and I get it, right? We we don't want the game to be stopped all the time. We don't want unnecessary delays in the match and everything. I totally understand that, right? But it's it's not VAR's fault. It's the way they're implementing its fault. So it's just a case of them improving the system and making it more slick in order for it to then be universally accepted it's it's going to take a while there's going to be a lot of people out there hating it for years i'm sure but at the end of the day football is a multi multi million pound sport and you getting the correct decisions is absolutely vital and by utilizing var it does maximize the chances of the correct decision being made there are always going to be wrong decisions still being made because there's human error to be had and a lot of decisions in football are opinion based. So even with replays, we're still going to have arguments. And I think that penalty is a prime example of that. Um, but you know, the game itself as well then, um, I thought, I don't know what the heck. I think it was MTT, was it, who did the handball? I don't know yeah, what he no was idea. thinking. It was bonkers. He had his hands way above his head is a stonewall penalty there's no need for VAR with that one that was absolutely guaranteed pen and you know really nicely taken by Edinac as well he's a bit of a penalty specialist so I, I fancied him to score that one um, but then Pogba's goal itself I personally I thought it was an own goal I thought it was a massive deflection that's, uh, to loop it over but I suppose if his initial knock was going to go on target then they do award him the goal but um yeah, really, really fortunate to get away with a win there, France. You know, dodgy penalty in my opinion. And then, uh, a really jammy deflected goal for Pogba's. But, you know, the goal line technology comes up trumps there again. I think a lot of people didn't think it had crossed. So great to see it being utilized. You know, I'm, I'm a massive rugby fan myself. So I'm used to, um, video technology being used. And I think it gets used really well in rugby where they're kind of, doing it on the fly so that the game continues temporarily while someone is watching it in the background and they will give a little uh, shout out to the referee in his ear then so he'll know whether he needs to stop the game to review it. So um, I think it's something that will get a lot better. Um, it's just something that will take a bit of time to get used to. Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I, I think one of the things that we, you, we've seen so far when it has been used is I've been impressed by it's been done quickly. Like 
like whenever it has been used, you hear immediately from the commentators. Um, okay, yeah. we've been told we've been told this is being this is being reviewed by VAR. You can see the ref you know, holding to his ear and decisions made. Yeah, there, there, there's very little. Yeah, the main argument against it seems to be, are you breaking up the flow of the game, etc. You know, all that rubbish. But really, you're not. I think I think think about how many times and for how many years now we've been seeing instant replays ourselves. Um, whatever network you're watching football on, you'd see that instant replay um, you know, immediately after the the goal had happened, the offside had happened, whatever. Um, it, there's no excuse, I think, for referees not to be able to see that now. But on the game, I, I, I very much agree with you. I thought France looked disjointed, unbalanced. Um, it's, it's so many individual you know, talents in that squad that they're capable of those special moments, of course. But um, yeah, they, they, they seem weirdly lacking, really, really unbalanced. You do wonder whether it's a case of Similar to Real Madrid, I guess you can talk about you know, a team full of stars, team full of egos. Do they need somebody to support, sort of pull them together a bit? Because Deschamps, it didn't look like he, he did that. He's chopping and changing quite a lot. I think he's been told, um, or I was told, uh, in terms of that team selection, sort of a, one they hadn't seen beforehand. And you know, towards the end, he was just throwing players on a little bit to, to try and affect the game. And one player we did see, of course, was Nabil Fakir coming onto the game. Uh, I didn't think he had a very effective sort of cameo. Ten fifteen minutes that he was on, um, seemed to struggle to get up to the pace of the game. Um, I was, I was, I have to admit, I was wincing every time, every time he went in for challenges, just in case he, he was going to get injured or whatever. And um, yeah, he didn't you know, based on that showing, you wouldn't be too excited about him. But as you mentioned, sort of happy about players lowering their valuations if we are going to go back in for them. What did you make of Fakir? He didn't really seem to stand out in that game, did he? He didn't really have much of a chance, mate, did he? Um, I, one bit stands out. He got the ball back quite well and then lost it straight away. <laughs> um, got kind of, kind of muscled off the ball and, uh, just complained to the referee. But, you know, he, he looks like a really nicely balanced runner. Um, you know, he's, he's someone I'm, I'm really excited about us getting if we can manage to get it over, over the line. You know, there's a lot of mystery over, the move, and I think the the silence from Liverpool has been deafening. You know, it's it, it's something I think is, is to be continued. Should we say? I think there's, there's definitely going to be another attempt or, or another discussion or yeah. two had after the World Cup. Uh, may it be uh, a lowered offer or a performance related um fee maybe i'm i'm not sure but but um no he, you know he, he looks like a very talented guy it's just he didn't really have a chance to shine in this game at all and if france remain this disjointed they you know, perhaps might go out early who, who knows and then we can well yeah get that whole sort of saga wrapped up early but i mean i do have them in my office sweepstakes so i'm, yeah. I'm sort, of, sort of part hoping that they uh get it obviously with the with the ai sweepstakes so i've got belgium so Looking forward to seeing an, another team full of talent uh, be very dysfunctional. That's going to be great. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Another team full of talent, um, including perhaps the greatest of all time, if we're if you're in that particular camp, uh, into the Lionel Messi. Um, Argentina taking on uh, your tournament newcomers, Iceland. Um, I mean, we all know the incredible achievement there. You've been mentioning sort of your the bittersweet aspect of it for yourself with Wales not being there this time round, and everyone knows Iceland's story. You know, the fact that they knocked England out of the Euros and you're the smallest nation to ever take part in the World Cup, um, yeah, but a team that's absolutely unified on exactly what they need to be doing, you know, their style of play, especially when they're up against the likes of Argentina. Um, and we saw here they 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 held 
um, one of the most talented groups of players, I guess you, you, you could say that, rather than a cohesive team with Argentina. But they held them to a draw. Um, you know, plenty of character on display there, I thought. Obviously, Messi has that chance to win the game for Argentina with the penalty. Um, and uh, the keeper, who's actually a TV director in his, uh, in his day-to-day job, saves it. So you can imagine you've got all these players who... You know, football's a part-time hobby for them, really. You know, for quite a few of them taking on the world's best. Um, what do you make of this encounter? Is it another example of Argentina just being dysfunctional and over-reliant on, on Messi and, um, and Iceland just being you know, set on their, on their goal and, and their style of play? I think it's another example of people really underestimating the, the underdog in these matches. You know, Iceland have proven it time and time again. They, they've managed to qualify for the tournament again for people to just go into this game assuming that Argentina are going to take them apart was, was quite, it was quite disrespectful to Iceland, to be honest, because that they were always going to come into this game and they were always going to work their asses off. And that's something that Iceland really, really do. The, the, the work rate from that team in closing down Messi and, and, and the likes of Aguero was, was exceptional, to be fair. And I, I thought they came away with, with a deserved point. You know, again, as you said, Argentina, very disjointed. Yeah. So the, um, the Aguero goal was an absolute belt on his left peg. So, you know, that, that was, standard procedure by Aguero to be fair to the guy but um, you know Iceland then fair play to them they they thoroughly deserved the point I thought um, really really ground out the win and I don't know why Messi's still taking penalties it's you know it's getting to the point now where he's got to kind of accept the fact that he's not very good at them it, it happens sometimes with these great goal scorers for some reason some of them are a bit dodgy at pens. You know, Torres was a great goal scorer for us. Terrible at penalties. It's, it's just something that, you know, his pen was, it was nowhere near the corner. It is a bizarre finish by him. And, you know, the, the contrast between his penalty and Ronaldo's penalty was, was stark, to be honest. Uh, Ronaldo's top in, absolutely slammed it in, send the keeper the wrong way. Messi, a powder puff shot kind of in between the centre and the corner. It was just a nice, easy save for the keeper. So um, it, it's, it, it's bizarre that the kind of contrast between Ronaldo seems to thrive under the pressure of them relying on him so heavily. And for some reason, Messi seems to be taking it as a burden. You know, obviously it's a very small sample size. It's just one game. So maybe I'm looking into it a bit too much to be fair to the guy. But, you know, it seemed to be he he couldn't play his natural game. He was trying to force it a bit too much, and you know the the Icelandic defence was so well organised. He was never really going to manage to break him down unless he does something really really special. You know, he did have one left-footed curler from about twenty-five yards that just narrowly missed the corner, but you know, apart from that, they, they managed to keep him really quiet. So, you know, really happy for Iceland. I think they really deserved it. And I, I just think teams need to realise that these so-called underdogs, they're not going to just let them waltz through and do what they want. You know, these are all fighting for their lives. They're in the World Cup and they really want to put on a show for their country. So I think it's, it's not going to be the, uh, the last time that we see a shock. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think it also sort of goes to show 
what we were talking about earlier on with Spain, I think what I think why Spain have impressed me more than any other team so far, regardless of the result that you know they actually ended up getting, was it, the system they they were playing, the structure of everything looked solid in terms of okay, this is formidable once it gets going. Whereas some of the other teams we we, we, we talked about already, there's been individual moments, there's been some some luck from set pieces, you know, late goals, whatever. Um, even Argentina, if they are to keep going and progressing, you don't feel it's like a sustainable model. You know, I mean, if Messi bails them out, if Aguero bails them out, it's not it's not something that you see. Oh, you know, they're creating chance after chance after chance. And of course, you're playing against an Iceland team who were only ever going to play in one way, so it's always going to be tough for them. But um, yeah, I was I was surprised um, just just how dysfunctional Argentina looked, and, and also to be honest, just how terrible. In defence, they looked as well. They, they, they really were cut open a couple of times, and Iceland were unlucky not to score earlier than they actually did. They were unlucky to go behind, I thought. But um, moving on to the last two games we're going to cover before we sort of talk about our general shocks and, and surprises of the tournament so far. But um, Peru versus Denmark again. I thought Peru um, sort of a maddening side there, where you where you can see. Brilliant up until the final third, where they just seem to completely abandon or just lose the ability to play that final ball, um, and that was really, really sort of tough to watch. Uh, again, again, again for ninety minutes, Denmark just taking their chance when they, when they did have it, but didn't actually have much to actually um, uh, contribute to the game. Other than that, what did you make of that game, um, Denmark? You know, perhaps the most underwhelming winners we've seen so far in terms of you. Do you think they're going to get too far, or were you more disappointed in? In Peru, given how they did play in that game, yeah, really well up until the final third, but then just lacking that killer touch. That that was a real smash and grab by Denmark. To be fair, wasn't it? I thought Peru were by far the better side on the day. They looked really, really slick. As they they were probably one of the most impressive sides I've seen so far in until they got into the box, basically. They just fell to bits. The amount of chances they were creating and just blowing was astounding. It was a, it was a bit like what the more frustrating Liverpool performances that we've seen in the past. You know, the the, the Burnleys, uh, when they just nick a smash and grab 1-0 or something. Yeah. It, it, it was shades of that, to be honest. It was, they were seconds they away had, from the perfect goal on about seven or eight, yeah. seven or eight occasions. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it was mad. They played really, really well, and I actually really enjoyed watching them play. You know, I, I'm looking forward to watching the next game because they actually played some really good stuff. And we were about half an hour into the game, and I thought they are by far the better side. So it was, you know, it was a nice, nice goal by Denmark. To be fair, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what the keeper was doing. He kind of left his near post completely open, but you know, it was a nice little move just on side, wasn't he as well? Um, so you know, fair play. It was, it was a nice goal, but. You know, Denmark ground that one out really, really well, to be fair, because I thought they were second best for the vast majority of the match. But, uh, yeah, you got to feel for Peru, you know, when they perform that well, and then it just doesn't quite come off in the final third. It's, 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 it's got to be infuriating. But, uh, you know, there's two games left. I expect them to still potentially pick up some points in the last two games. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how they get on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that they, they they still have a chance of progressing because, as you mentioned, actually a side that were playing some good stuff. They they knew how they wanted to play. It was just whether they could actually get that get that final touch, that final ball done. Um, Croatia versus Nigeria. Then just just the last game we'll cover. Then before we sort of wrap things up, uh, I thought. I mean, I'm not sure what you think about 
yourself. But for me, it was actually probably one of the more disappointing games. Actually, in terms of I was had high hopes for Croatia, had had high hopes for Nigeria as well. When you looked at that team, Ndidi in the middle there, I thought that looked like a pretty combative side. And in the end, it was quite a bitty game. I think one of those games where two midfields just battle each other out. Um, Croatia going with Modric and um, and Rakitic, so no holding player at all. Quite aggressive, um, even though Modric did go a little bit deeper, and it was quite bitty for a while. And you know, before that own goal, of course, that I thought was a bit a bit fortunate, to be honest. And um, then Modric steps up later on you know, with the cool head to to score that penalty. I mean, we all know about Croatia, a team stacked full of talent, really. When you when, when you look at them, especially in midfield, um, but. What did you think of this game? Were you a little bit underwhelmed, despite me? In the end, it was a very comfortable, comfortable win for Croatia. Yeah, it was a disappointing game. Um, as you said, some really top players in that Croatia side, especially midfield. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Perisic. I think he's a he's a cracking little player. I remember that there was talk that he was nearly signing for Man U at one point, and I was a bit like didn't want him to go there because I actually rate the guy. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that I wouldn't have wanted to see that happen. He was the player that uh, would have solved all the problems, apparently, according to Mourinho. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, aye, aye. Uh, but you know, there's Rakitic, obviously, and Modric is a lovely footballer as well, isn't he? And obviously, they got Mandzukic up front as well. So, um, and obviously, big, big Degsy Lovren in defence. So you know, we can't forget him. So you know, <laughs> I was expecting expecting good things from Croatia, but to to be fair, I think I do. And we all do expect a bit too much from these teams. You know, international football is very, very different to club football. You know, club football, they're with each other week in, week out for a lengthy period of time. They have a chance then to really gel and, and get these uh, patterns of play going and, you know, get some sort of momentum built. Um, international football, obviously, it's something they're with each other for a very short period of time and they're expected to, you know, perform miracles. So, it's it's understandable that these teams are kind of a little bit disjointed at times. These players don't play with each other all that often. So it, it's something that I think we'll expect maybe the quality of the play in some of these uh, teams that we're expecting big things from to maybe increase as the, the tournament goes along. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's another game where there's another penalty, quite a few pens this tournament, and another own goal. So it's... Um, it, underwhelming goals in this game again, but Croatia won't give a damn. Um, that they, they, they've got the three points on the board and in pole position now to qualify. Yeah, I was about to make, just speak to you about that before we do sort of wrap up here. I mean, Croatia now top the group, um, got got three points across following that win. Iceland and Argentina both on one, Nigeria on nothing there. The next game in that group, of course, yeah, for Croatia. Um, being Croatia versus Argentina, so they have they have the chance to qualify top of the you know, you know or give themselves a great chance at least, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. or, or, or but qualify by beating Argentina. And Argentina need to win, of course. So that so that should be a real cracker there in terms of how you know, is that the game where Messi shows up, etc. So um, there are some interesting some, some interesting sort of uh, um, games coming up in terms of how the groups are going to work themselves out. And uh, I think even not finishing top here for you know, for the likes of Argentina or whatever. That's going to throw up some really, really big, big um, games in the next round if they do slip up. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you mentioned how great that Spain Portugal game was as well, but it's Iran who topped the group with three points. Um, so, yeah, they've got a chance. You're completely improbable that you would have thought beforehand of 
getting out of that group. So that could be historic for them. So, yeah, plenty of interesting battles uh, ahead for sure. But just before we wrap up, Sam, I just wanted to ask you um, sort of general sort of commentary on things. So, um, so far, I mean, it's pretty obvious what the game of the tournament's been so far. But uh, just to get your, your thoughts on um, you know, goal of the tournament so far and um, yeah, biggest surprise of the uh, of the game so far. Right, okay. Um, goal of the tournament, let me think. There's been some belters. You know, there was those two we mentioned, uh, Sherishev for Russia. Oh, they yeah. were both crack, both crackers. Um, it's, it's, it's gotta be Ronaldo's free kick just because of the context of it as well. You know, it was absolute top bins last minute of the game to, to, to get the equalizing goal. I think, you know, that's gotta be. A strong contender for the, the the best goal so far. I think it was an absolute cracker, mate. Um, and the biggest shock of the tournament so far. Well, if if we're only talking about the games played before today, um, I think you know Iceland. Um, Iceland have to get the the credit there for the. Um, even though I don't think it was that much of a shock that they picked up a point, I think that is the the biggest surprise. Up until uh, you know, for, for for the groups A to D anyway, uh, up to this point, so I think that's the biggest surprise. No, I'd agree. I think. I, I mean, for me, um, the only difference I'd have, I think, that's another biggest surprise. But I think the the goal, or my favorite goal so far. I mean, I really, I really did enjoy Nacho's goal. I have to admit, but yeah. I think I think I am going to go back to that Costa goal just because it was. So funny, just how unexpected it was for a Spain side to score that type of goal in in, in recent years. Um, second of all, um, the fact that he, you know, you almost forget Pepe still playing, but you, you proper dark art specialist Pepe um, and Costa <laughs> more or less forearms him in the yeah. throat to take him down, um, <laughs> and then you know bullies those defenders before scoring a goal. It's just, it's just that really old type of sent you know, striker goal that you just don't see anymore. You, know, you remember how he used to bully the Arsenal centre backs and. Plenty of others with that, with those sorts of sort of um, attacking skills that we got used to seeing from, from from him in the Premier League. But um, I think it was also the fact that on the highlights of the goal, you could see Pepe after he was knocked down and, and appealing for a foul, uh, just got back up immediately. So he was fine. He's <laughs> absolutely yeah. fine. Um, and it's just a, just a great sort of moment there. Um, I think my other favorite moment from that game as well was probably Ronaldo doing Nacho for the first goal with that penalty, with that little bit of trick that he. He used to win the penalty, um, and yeah. you know, giving the eyes to Nacho after he scored, and then Nacho having the last laugh a little bit. I mean, obviously not before the final free kick, but scoring that wonder goal himself, and then he, he had the little wink at Ronaldo as well. So, yeah, it, it's great to see some of these players, um, you know, r- really showcasing their top skills. But yeah, for, for me, the biggest surprise as well. You, you, you have nailed it there. Iceland holding Argentina, however dysfunctional this Argentina side are. Um, and whatever Maradona may or may not have been doing in, in the stands that day, yeah. I didn't really want to mention that. I mean, hay fever, uh, yeah, important to get your antihistamine um, ready clearly. Um, but yeah. um, anyway, Sam, thanks so much for helping us uh, preview those first round of games. Um, so much to talk about already, it feels like, and you feel like there's only going to be more to talk about. Looking forward to seeing Salah get his World, um, his world Cup underway. Um, and uh, yeah, seeing more of Firmino I guess you haven't seen too much so far but uh, yeah sure to be exciting but thanks so much for helping me preview that and um, uh, for all those listening um, we'll, we'll be back again uh, I think Guy's going to be doing the 
the remaining groups into the first round of fixtures. Um, so you'll hear from him uh, later this week. And then I'll be back again to preview um, the second round of fixtures from, from groups A to D uh, again. So make sure you you stay with us here on the World Cup pods for Anfield Index. Um, plenty more to go. And uh, you know, hopefully there'll be more late drama and uh, less and you know, no goalless draws. So uh, yeah, be sure to join us here. Thanks again. Network.